0: <laughs> everybody and welcome back to another NextLander podcast, episode 76, I think that's right. Mm -hmm. Spirit of 76. The Spirit of 76 is in full effect. We are going to talk about Pentamint, Somerville, Atari 50, but before we do that, Brad Shoemaker, how are you? Mm -hmm. Hello. Hello. A purring kitten is Mm -hmm. what I get from that. Alex Navarro,
2: how are you? Uh, I'm more of a rambunctious kitten. A
0: rambunctious kitty. Mm-hmm. I like it. I can't wait to talk about this Atari 50 thing. Yeah, ah, we'll get there. Funny. It's Whoa. pretty funny. I, it was. It was not what I was expecting. Um, wait,
1: wait. What were you expecting?
0: I think I was expecting more of a. Well, we'll talk. We're going to talk about it when we get to yeah. the Atari yes. 50. Yes. Uh Everybody doing well? Yeah. Before we yeah. jump into things, yeah. I've got to go pick up my son a little while here, so I, I'm going to go. Uh, I'm probably going to jump in quickly here, but I want to remind everybody because of a a meeting I had yesterday, uh, save for retirement and save early Mm. (laughs) is, uh, is, uh, is my, my takeaway from my meeting, uh, with, uh, my retirement person who tells me if I'm going to be screwed or not, um, never too early to start socking away whatever you are planning, let's say Mm -hmm. for some kind of retirement. The thing that's always interesting is, um, she's great. And she's pretty conservative in terms of retirement planning. But I'm always like, maybe this is completely depressing, but I'm always like, well, you know, what if it balances out with social security? She's like, I never count social security (laughs) for retirement. Cool. Uh, I was like, that's probably, I've known her probably probably. the smart play.
1: Yeah. Before last week, I would have said the same thing. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? knows? Life is full of surprises. Indeed.
0: Life is full of surprises. Um, and you want to have the means to enjoy it by mm-hmm. uh, seize
1: the means of enjoyment.
0: Yeah, that's right. Put it back in the hands of the people. The means of enjoyment uh, in the hands of the people.
1: Isn't, isn't it? Isn't it great uh, f- having your long-term future prospects at the whim of people who don't have to worry about money?
0: Uh, yeah. Well, I love my f- uh, financial advisor, so she's great. I've known her for a decade, so I don't know if she's in. It's at the whim of her necessarily. Oh, uh,
1: I mean, I mean the people uh, who most directly affect the ebb and flow of the stock market. Yes. Tying everyone's like, retirement prospects to the stock market is what The, I'm the white about. gloved hands on the
0: wheel, let's mm-hmm. say, yes. uh, as we all sit in the back, kind of thumping around in the car, being mm-hmm. like, I don't really Hoping know, you don't what this get is. bounced out of the cab. <laughs> exactly. Hanging onto a bumper, let's say. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. 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 Did you guys? I, I remember this is. I remember hearing everybody has heard probably save save early, save, put in, you know, do your 401ks, do all this stuff. Man, it's hard. It's so hard. Let's start a Nextlander pension fund. Uh, everybody who's on the Patreon can contribute to That's our next tier is a uh-huh. Nextlander pension fund. It's a group plan. Everybody can contribute. Um, and Look, this is the Nextlander escape pod. It's not for, uh, we will be funding the next generation's pension, so it's not, uh-huh. uh, yeah, we, we, we're we SOL, but for everybody coming up next time, uh, they, they get it. Oh, man. How are you guys doing? Uh, hopefully you Let's got some.
1: Set up, set up like influencers group health insurance.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There, I, When I was, um, years and years and years and years and years ago, before I was even at GameSpot, I was part of the freelancers union uh, for oh, health wait, insurance.
1: They had one of those? Mm-hmm. Oh, in, wow. in New
0: York. I think it's okay. still around. Uh, but uh, I I looked at their health insurance stuff and it wasn't as it wasn't like at the time it was pretty good. Now it is um, comparable to what I'd be paying in the New Jersey
2: stuff, which is uh, also a fun thing. I'm sure you guys are deep in that as well. Mm hmm. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't plan for my future. I don't spend. I don't go to financial meetings. I don't talk to people about my stuff. I spend all my off hours preparing for various podcasts. That's pretty
1: much it. And, uh, Recent, recently, and buying scratch offs. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Recently faced with the question of should I sign up for health insurance for just the month of December, knowing I'm going to have to do it again. Yep. In a month, and and the answer was yes, of course.
0: Yes, of course. Yes, of course. Because they. Cobra's running out,
2: baby. Let's not get into it. Cobra's out. The Cobra, Cobra,
0: Cobra, la, 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 la,
2: la, la, long gone. Um, the and, Cobra uh, commander has issued his decree and we're <laughs> off that shit <laughs> now we know what actually f- it
0: wasn't Cobra stealing weird mind gems no. or you know it was Cobra uh, it was Cobra launching a health insurance mar- market to get uh, people who ha- wanted to get their group insurance
2: and continue it that that that's the plan the Joes just couldn't re- seem to foil I mean if you're gonna like plot to take over the world through a generalized scammy evil health insurance <laughs> industry is a pretty good way to go i feel like that's a a mind bender plot really
1: yeah i mean i was quite literally sitting there going like what if i just didn't leave the house for the month of december like what if i don't cross any intersections (laughs) in december maybe i'll be okay but freak health events always happen and you just never know
0: Destro, what is this shit i got out of arms and into health insurance cobra commander (sighs) We, we will people who are on their group rate want to get the same coverage but will pay double the price I don't bi- understand any of this.
2: <laughs> Neither <laughs> do the people of America. <laughs>
0: Duke Cobra's been real quiet. We don't know what they're up to, but our health insurance premiums went through the roof. <laughs> Barbecue's paying like $2,000 a month alone. Nothing we could do. Just General fucking Hawk
2: comes in and be like, You guys got a sign. That's why those people in Springfield were melting. It's because their health insurance (laughs) ran out. (laughs) They just saw their premiums.
0: We've got a hell of a show for you today. Uh, Pentiment, Somerville, Atari fifty. I've got some God of War updates. We're gonna get to the news after that. Let's start with the games. Pentiment. Pentiment. Singular. That's one game. Pentiment. Let's start with the game Pentiment. So Pentiment. If you haven't heard, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, uh, not an easy one to describe. Brad, do you want to take a crack at it?
1: Yeah. It's so the, it's the game that I saw a presentation for that we talked about a couple months mm-hmm. ago, um, from, uh, Josh Sawyer, director at Obsidian and a small team of like a dozen people. Uh, it's set, kind of, set in the Holy Roman Empire. Holy Roman Empire. Oh,
2: specifically in the, in Switzerland, in the, the, right? That's the, oh, region. in Germany. No, oh, is it Germany? Germany? Okay.
1: Yeah. Kiss owl. Um, early early 16th century
0: it is uh it is $20 uh i'm gonna put my glasses back on $20 currently on uh, xbox and pc
1: it's like a narrative role-playing adventure i guess you would call it
0: uh yeah but the the i feel like its biggest claim here is its art style yes and kind of a narrative it's mechanics for its RPG and yeah. uh, can you illuminate a bit on that earth oh, earth art wow. style? Oh, mm, yeah, wow, well, that's, that's hey. the stuff
1: I that's the stuff I talked about when I saw it before because that's all they showed us. They didn't actually show any gameplay. They just kind of gave us a, big, a presentation on their font rendering technology. <laughs> Remember that? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, the art style. The art style is very much of the illustrations in the margins of of kind of medieval religious manuscripts style. Yeah um, and specifically
2: and you are playing as a character that is while not explicitly a person dedicated to doing that particular kind of manuscript is working in a monastery <laughs> with people who that is their their daily toil.
1: Yes, Andreas Mahler. Mm-hmm. Who,
2: in, the, in the scriptorium in the scriptorium. Yes, in the
1: scriptorium. Yeah, like, I'm actually it's really interesting to see that it is actually situated like directly in the middle of this transition. Yeah. from like the the I mean the church is still uh, the church is still, you know, kind of the, the main authority in society at this point, but, like, there is a little, like, it's starting to <laughs> give way, like, the printing... Like, there's a printed, lot of, lot like, mass, like, kvetching about, like, like,
2: you know, various aspects of the church and its, you know, insertion into daily life and the power it holds over these townspeople.
1: Right. And they're like, they're like, there are people around who still cling to pagan beliefs, you know, like, and they're, like, still angry that the church came in and supplanted, the Christian church supplanted that, but then even... Beyond that, you know, mass printing is starting to catch on and like this hand, hand done manuscripting is seen as on the way out. So like, anyway, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on in the story there, but, uh,
0: there's a real, uh, there's somebody had a real fun time digging into some medieval history and trying
1: to, there, there was a lot of talk in that presentation from, Sawyer and the art director about research they had done, and they straight up were just rattling off book after book and author after author. They worked with they worked with numerous historians on this game as well. Like it's,
2: and don't worry if you weren't there for that presentation. They mention every single book that they probably researched, uh, like in the margins of the story. If you want to know everything they read, yeah, you can
0: pull up a glossary for any underlined text, and they will give you. A digestible historical context. Oh, yeah. It's not super long, and I appreciate that, and it just yeah. kind of puts it into a context. Cause these characters are just throwing out names left and right, and you might be like, the who to what now? Uh, it's This town seems like it is, so the world seems to be moving on a bit. This town seems to be stuck in the past a little bit, a, a kind of throwback. In more ways they even say at some point the scriptoriums are out of favor, and uh, uh, the this is kind of one of a, what a charming thing to have these mm-hmm. monks do this. You are, what's your name again? It's at, not oh, Andreas. 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 Andreas Mahler. So you're there on basically commission to do this. You're trying to become a master in the, in the kind of uh, journeyman trade master sense, and you're doing this work to hopefully go home and on... In your free time, working on your masterpiece, but uh, for work, you're here doing these uh, this manuscript to go home, get married, and become a master and open up your own shop. Uh,
2: of you course, know, the life path.
0: Oh yes, get married being a big one of them. Mm-hmm. They keep I did bringing not know that. Up. that was, <laughs> I did not know that was so important to becoming a true master in the guild. But uh, everybody keeps asking, "Oh, not married? Oh, mm-hmm. no, 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 it's on. It's in the works. I'm gonna. It's a. Uh, it's all worked out. So what I did not expect about this game, the Font rendering, I expected you had told told us uh, plenty about that. The art style I had seen from the movies, I should have guessed this given the pedigree of the and the providence of the team here. But the, uh, they will remember that and the role playing yes. uh, yes. portions of it uh like the The rpg your background yeah
1: yeah yes that's exactly what i was going to come in here and say is that there's more rpg in this than i expected but that's because like sawyer said in that presentation like he downplayed how much rpg it was Mm. like but i guess that's not to say there was none but he was very much like hey this is not as much of an rpg as the games that obsidian usually does is just like know that but then that kind of made me think like oh it's probably going to be limited to just dialogue choices like it's just going to be occasionally you'll be able to have three responses and you'll pick one and that'll be kind of it. But there is quite a bit more character building than that.
2: Yeah, there yeah. is like early on, you know, you'll get into conversations with certain characters and they like your background will come up and then you have the choice to decide like kind of what that background is. So Maya Andreas, <laughs> uh, when he was in university, yeah. uh, he studied law with a minor in occult.
1: Okay. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. So my, my Andreas uh, spent time in Flanders, yes. also studied law. I also uh, went to
0: Flanders. Uh, okay. I'm, from, studied... I'm from Italy, by
1: the way. Okay. Oh, I, I uh, kind
2: of figured you would pick that one. <laughs> Here's the one thing. No one picks the top option. It's either Flanders <laughs> or Italy. The other one, nah.
1: Um, Let's see. I studied law. I'm proficient in uh, oratory and logic. Okay. I have and oratory hedon- and, as well. And I'm a hedonist. I am also oh, nice. a hedonist. Okay. So I'm, I'm, oh, shit, man. We're playing the same Andreas. I guess I'm, I'm giving the I'm giving the most rakish answers to everyone. Like, there's a lot of flirting that you can do
2: so with the nuns. Decided, in
1: fact, I just, I just decided to make make my Andreas as kind of dandyish as possible.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, uh, you can. Yes, it's like it's very lighthearted. It's not like skeezy, but yes, you can like you can flatter the nuns quite a bit and stuff like that.
0: Uh, so I, I, uh, I forget what I'm. I also have a cult. But uh, because that just seemed like a fun one, right? You're yeah, that's this, the thing. I was like, I,
2: yeah. I once they I said, "Oh, by the way, there's a second option you can have here." I'm like, "Oh, well, I gotta take the fun one."
0: And and the setup for the Abbey is there was um, it's funny because it it really I started getting this uh the name of the rose vibe from the from kind of the whole thing. But the the setup is the person who was in charge of the Abbey before uh seemed a little bit more. Open to discourse, maybe uh, a little more um, liberal than maybe some of the other minded, yeah. monastic uh, people. And the new person who's taken over is a pretty hardliner, a uh, pretty hardcore hardliner. Seems like kind of an asshole. Yeah. Me. So I thought Andreas having some dabbling in the occult would be um, would be fun. And you kind of go through all those options. In the course of uh, a dialogue back and forth with this noble who has is kind of walking you this noble who also has this, uh, what would you call it, academic interest or philanthropic kind of vein or like is rich and is like, I want to learn.
1: Yeah. Didn't didn't go to university, but had like a lot of childhood tutoring and access to books and stuff. Yeah. Seems very into philosophy.
0: So I'm not far enough along to know what the deal is with this noble because they kind of set him up in the beginning as someone that the townsfolk are not fond of, but I got the sense that maybe he's a cool dude. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's I think there's I something's boiling under the surface with that yeah. guy.
1: Yeah. I don't know. He's, he's way into Martin Luther. I can tell you that. Yes.
0: And you know, the, the reformation and all of that is referenced in the, in the game. Uh, and so you, you kind of, he's asking your background. Is there a way you guys must have got on the same path so I assume we all chose the path where we were going to spend time to talk with him. I wonder if they funnel you into those, because it seems like there's some choices to be like, I got to split, can't talk to you now, but maybe maybe they all funnel into you talking to this noble.
2: Yeah, I mean, like this is one of those games where they're very early on setting up that like, hey, you're going to be presented sometimes with like, hey, you made plans for this, but then this other yeah. thing came out and then you kind of can't get out of it. Like early on, <laughs> you're supposed to have dinner with uh, a couple of local townspeople that you know. And then this dude kind of railroads you and be like, no, you're coming to dinner with me and the abbot and you know, these, these monks, and you're definitely going to hang out with us tonight. And so my first instinct was like, I need to go to town and tell them I'm not coming to dinner, but I couldn't find them. Oh no. I, I, I've tried a long time
0: trying to figure out how to get past those sheep in the beginning. Uh, kind of got stuck on the path there mm. where uh, I'm like, I'm not triggering the thing I need to trigger for this. Also, that kid's a, that kid's that kid's a, a dick. dick. Kid's a dick. Did you guys agree to? Dad, apparently. (laughs) I mean, listen. Probably everybody is. Yeah. Did you uh, life expectancy is like twenty seven? There. Fair. Did Did you guys agree to pay rent early? Yes. Okay. Uh, and so have you resolved that yet? Yes. Okay. I haven't gotten that far to resolve. I haven't asked for money up
2: front. Uh, Did you ask for money up front? I didn't ask the first guy, but then there's another guy you can ask later, who you will just encounter if you walk around, and if you, uh, as it turns out, if you're persuasive enough. Uh They'll hook you up.
0: I'm very curious to see as this game goes on the divergent paths that could happen. So, um,
2: because this so like at the, the core of the story is i think it's a murder mystery right because i haven't really it, it gotten is. to the murder part yet but like it, it's i'm pretty i feel like i'm actually gotten pretty deep into like the the character introductions and kind of knowing everyone
1: yeah that that's why i'm i'm it's such it's been such slow going for me because that the abbey is gigantic and yeah. like i've have been succumbing to my completionist tendency of feeling like i have to see every screen and talk to everybody as much as i can before i trigger like a story thing that prevents me from doing that later, but there's a lot of people to find and talk to and a lot of things to look at. And a lot of it's very
2: unnecessary unless it's part Uh, of the path that you're on.
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is, it's, it's a murder mystery and it takes place over multiple time periods. Like it jumps forward in time, some years at some point. Uh, so it's also, um,
0: I have the dialogue now turned. Oh, not dialogue. The text rendering turned up all the way to its fastest, and still it can take a while to render out text in conversations. Yeah. It's yes. a, it's kind of a slow go on some of it. I do wish. I do wish you could hit the button to have it just print on. I think maybe that would go against some of their render font or text rendering, mm-hmm. um, uh, tricks and and tech that's in the game because they do interesting things that I'm, I'm still. Brad, maybe they talked about this with you, but do characters, are you supposed to tell the nature or mood of a character based on if they make mistakes when they're uh,
2: like scratch out
1: something or they supposed to be nervous or anything? I I think that's just an affectation. I'm not sure.
2: I think the only thing that really kind of differentiates like class and sort of like general vibe of a character is the script itself, the the style of the font. Yeah. Yeah. So I wasn't.
0: Yeah, I knew knew that because you had mentioned that, Brad, uh, previously, but I wasn't sure if sometimes there'll be spelling mistakes or or letters will be swapped and they'll scratch it out and and kind of reprint. I wasn't sure if if you're supposed to kind of get like, hey, this character is not being truthful with you or they're kind of a L.A. Noir style thing with the the text in in those or if it's random. And
1: I I took it to be random, but I can't say for sure.
0: uh, I did notice once. Maybe you guys picked on this up on this too. It seemed like the nobleman was the only one so far that printed a whole thing out in one font, and then it quickly got washed away and printed out in a in a. Yeah, more, uh, I saw that. Okay. All right, uh, that stuff's neat. Um, and that kind of characterization is neat. Uh, my only complaint is when it does the full or Andreas's font is outlined and then filled in. It can be a little slow. could mm-hmm. you know, you're you're for the most part. I'm able to read faster than the whole thing fills out. I would I would appreciate if you could just kind of print it all on screen.
1: Yeah, I've I've mostly been kind of reading stuff in outline and then kind of buttoning. You can't you can't button past it until it fills in. Yeah. So like by the time it fills in, I'm kind of hitting the button to move on. It's yeah, not like it's, laborious, but it is no, a little slow. Yeah. It's a little slow. It's it's, it's not the end of the world.
0: Definitely um, not. It's just it just takes time. So the um they have different speeds you could put it on there if you want to slow it down. You could. They also have um for if any of the fonts, and some of the fonts are pretty fancy, uh, they have a lot of options for rendering the fonts for readers who might want accessibility options or um, have a hard time parsing some of the font choices they have in there. They also have like an Old English, um, I don't know what, they call it something, I didn't really recognize it, but it's basically where you swap the like F's and S's mm-hmm. in, the, in the game. You could turn that on and off if you were like, at this, I don't need every... To look like an F in this game. Sure. Um, F that. But so far, I'm enjoying it. I think the characterizations are fun. The Andreas is a fun character who they start the game off in a, I think, tonally lighthearted way that kind of sets the tone for what's going on here, where you're in this dream state and you are with Socrates.
1: Socrates and Beatrice and Saint, I forget who, and <laughs> go Prester go, John is yeah. there. And then the three of them become like almost <laughs> like your conscience.
0: Yeah, like the and like birds on your shoulder, the angel okay, devil on your shoulders. Kind yeah, of.
1: Occasionally when you're faced with a decision, like they'll pop into your head, each giving different device, uh, advice, and like you pick one, but I'm not 100% sure what picking one does. It seems like maybe does it sometimes create an extra dialogue choice?
0: I'm not sure. It kind of seemed like editorializing on your choices. Right. Uh, so I wonder if it picks the same choices you would have picked. You just got a little bit of editorializing on it. Because sometimes, let's just say, for example, there's an option, when somebody says uh, in beginning, hey, I could re- I would really appreciate if you could pay the rent up front. We're being squeezed on taxes, right? Yeah. And then you have the option to like, sure, no, or whatever the middle one is, like maybe with some strings attached. And you can go into the editorializing, the kind of um, your conscious Jiminy Cricket style thing. And it's like, if you pay this now, they're always going to expect you're, g- you're going to be a sucker, basically. Or you can afford it. You can do it. And I think what I, it seemed like to me is maybe those just map on to the other choices uh, after you pick them. But obviously
2: I have not tested that by playing it twice. Right. I I don't know. But I mean, the main thing I would say is that while it is kind of a slow start and, and definitely takes its time getting you to kind of where things are going, uh, it's still pretty engrossing. Like I found the characters mostly to be pretty interesting, even the minor ones that have cropped up so far. And, you know, you're, like, obviously you have some freedom in how you approach your character, but, like, Andreas makes a pretty compelling protagonist, and I think the yeah. the setting and the vibe, like, they're all, like, pretty well in place. Like, all that stuff really kind of hits from the jump.
1: Yeah, it didn't really hook me until I got into the scriptorium, and there are multiple, there, there's like a good spectrum of young and old monks in there. Yeah. That clearly are from different eras. Like I said, this is, like, a period of rapid cultural change, and so... There are both like very distinctive personalities and also those people are from basically different eras at this point, you know, so like getting that mix of perspectives on everything that's going on in the world is really interesting.
0: It's it's they set the table
2: well, I think, in terms of what uh, it's. It also it manages to be thoughtful about the era it is portraying without just feeling like there is a modern narrator basically commenting on all the things that are fucked up about the world you're in. <laughs> like there's a bit in there where you're talking to this librarian nun and, you know, you're kind of talking about your chosen vocation and the brothers and all that kind of stuff. And she's like, well, I mean, your, your job is not so bad. I mean, you're a librarian. You must love that. And she's like, women don't get a lot of choices, dude. Like, you know, I I, when I chose, you know, my path uh, along, you know, the godly path, there weren't a lot of options for where I could spend my time. And, you know, you have a couple of different ways you can respond to that, but it doesn't feel like it's something coming in from 2022 trying to talk about this era. It feels like a conversation these characters would actually have.
1: I think I, I feel like I've run into that sentiment like three different times already of people kind of commenting on how fortunate he is to have oh, like been sure. able to choose a vocation yeah yeah uh, or, or, spend or some travel time, yeah spend some time wandering yeah. yes
0: wandering he uh, he seems to have come to this late in life uh,
1: or later yeah, he, in life yeah he, yeah he says that the, the last thing I, would, I was gonna say about the character building that this is pretty impressive it, it seems like it seems like there are a lot of cases where your the backgrounds that you chose are gonna play into what you can and can't do like I assume I assume you guys found that Latin code wheel thing yes. early on. I don't um, think I
0: did find that yet. Really? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um,
0: I'm not that far in. I think I'm earlier than you guys are.
1: So, like, I'm trying to remember how they present it. It's like, it, it it cuts to a close-up of the thing, and it's like a code wheel that can be turned, and different stuff is exposed and stuff. And, like, um, I think the areas you chose to wander in determine which languages you can read. So one of them is, like, I think one of them is, like, a good ma- good mastery of Latin. One of them is, like, italian and some greek one of them i think is like the flanders one is french and dutch french and dutch that's also anyway anyway. there's
0: also a latin study you could have taken right yes Uh, yes. of course
1: right so like i don't have any latin and that's a latin code wheel but Mm. in fiddling with the code wheel i do have logic it doesn't come it didn't come out and say hey you know logic so you can do this but like the wording was pretty clear that like, Oh, he looked at how many spaces were exposed and how many times it can turn and stuff. Yeah. And intuited like, Oh, there's, there's room for four different versions of the Latin alphabet in here. So like, Oh, and also there were, there were astronomical, uh, aspects to the code wheel. There were like constellations and stuff on it. Yeah. And my Andreas doesn't know, it doesn't know shit about that stuff. So he was like, Oh, and it's got constellations on it. I think that's what those are, you know, but like if you had chosen the, astronomy field of study clearly you would know something very different about that thing so like it's really interesting that you can approach these puzzles from very different sets of knowledge and in
2: conversations too and there is a flip side to that as well where sometimes the traits that you have are like negative net negative for like a conversation or an interaction you're having with someone like again i was talking to a librarian lady and she was talking about some book that she desperately needed to return to some noble and I was just because I'm a legal guy, I'm like, well, you know, legally, I don't think you're actually liable for what happened to that book. And then she responded. It's like, I don't care, dude. <laughs> I, you're, the legal thing. I, I just want the book back. I don't give a shit. So. he
0: He's an interesting character. I feel like he is a good cipher. Like he's yeah. um, I, like, I don't mind. I don't mind. He's not an empty vessel, let's say, for for your character, but he I don't know, it's lighthearted enough so far to keep me interested it's not so dour i
2: mean these are some pretty rough times uh, going on in, in but it's all very colorfully portrayed yeah. you know and it's like there's a lot of like good high drama happening around stuff where it doesn't just feel like people are wallowing in misery constantly even if At they are not to your face yeah yeah, yeah. i'm not uh, saying I people think- aren't miserable i'm saying the way it's portrayed in the game does not make it feel like you are trudging through that misery Brad, did they say at that event, if they expect people
0: to kind of go through this multiple times? I can't remember. Okay. I wonder what the length of it is given the choices and, you know, maybe there's stuff you'd like to see m- multiple t- ways through. I think, uh, I, th- I think
1: I've think i seen it's like 15 to 20 hours.
0: Okay. That's a good chunk. I don't know if that's something I'd want to just pick up again and start over. Um, but it's neat so far. It, uh I like the art style. I do wish some of the dialogue moved a little bit faster, but um, you know, it's like you said, it's a small complaint Yeah, uh, yeah. on the game.
1: It, but yeah, it seems, it seems really well made. It also reviewed extremely well, um, which makes me curious to see how the story develops. But like it is, it is a pretty slow start. Like it is like, like you were in for a lot of reading, like a lot of just walking around talking mm-hmm. to people.
2: Yeah, I mean I it probably wasn't feasible at the budget that they were operating at, but I feel like this is a game that would have benefited from some voice acting, though I understand that because it is a script oriented game, they probably want people to do the reading. <laughs> yeah. So much is conveyed
0: with yeah. their I mean, it's such a huge mechanic in the game. Um yeah, I I get it. I get it. I get it. Uh Pentiment out now. If you have Game Pass, it's on Game Pass. Otherwise it's twenty dollars. It's on the PC and on Xbox platforms by uh, you know, probably forever. I'll just say right now, twenty dollars <laughs>
2: feels like a steal for this thing.
0: Yeah, so far. So I, far. I, again, I'm I'm only in uh, a few hours in. Uh, all right, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk about Somerville and Atari Fifty: The Anniversary Collection. Stick around. This week's show is brought to you by Rocket Money. Rad Shoemaker, Alex Navarro, I bet you guys have subscriptions.
2: I had a lot of subscriptions. I had too many subscriptions, and at a certain point, I had to drill down. I had to to focus. I had to make sure that I did not have so many subscriptions anymore.
0: You had to take time out of your day. My
1: busy schedule.
0: Your time, which is worth more than anything. To find those subscriptions and cancel Brad shoemaker do you live a subscription lifestyle
1: i am just a walking monthly bill at this point
0: <laughs> it's the world we live in if you need help boy guys i got some uh, i got some news for you rocket money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions monitors your spending and helps you lower your bills all in one place. It says here that most people think they're spending $80 on their subscriptions, when in reality, the number is closer to 200 My God. What are we even doing? With Rocket Money, you can easily cancel the ones you don't want with just the press of a button. Rocket Money also lets you monitor all your expenses in one place, recommends custom budgets based on your past spending, and they'll even send you notifications when you've reached your spending limits. Stop wasting money on things you don't use, cancel your unwanted subscriptions, and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. That's rocketmoney.com slash nextlander, rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. Thanks, Rocket Money. And we're back in time to talk about some uh, Somerville. Hey, i used to live the there game. i was gonna say the video game yeah, What was the- it not like this <laughs> not like this at all so somerville another game that is on the xbox and pc probably currently uh maybe it'll come somewhere else eventually but launching exclusively there on the xbox and the pc Tw- it's ranges from 25 to 30 dollars depending if you're looking on the pc let's say or uh, on the xbox which seemed to have it for 27
1: ish dollars i think 27 twenty seven forty nine, i want to say yeah, yeah. okay like, or or you can get it for the price of game pass
0: or for game pass if you have game pass somerville a game uh, by jump ship which has some x play dead folks in it so
1: if you are maybe just one i'm not sure it's, it's just a one D- but Dino i think potty it's player. chris sure.
2: Olson, who's the writer director of this game
0: uh, yes, I think that I believe that is correct. Okay, uh, so, uh, but maybe even more than that, it's got that vibe. It's got that. It's got a play dead ish vibe. It's there's no dialogue in the game. There's no uh, spoken or text dialogue in the or or you know nothing to tell the story other than your actions in the environment. Let's right. say in, in the game. So I finished this. Um, there are multiple endings. I kind of. I got all the endings. I had to look up how to get one of the endings. Um,
1: I was. Wait, you mean multiple endings in sequence, not like a choice?
0: No, you get a choice. Um, oh, wait, so did you just
1: reload a save and just do everything? You
0: can load chapters. Ah, so, okay. um, yeah. So, there's probably three main endings and maybe two, two ish other endings. Uh, they all kind of occur near the end of the game, so it's not like you, you'll miss something early on. This game I enjoyed. It's kind of a technical bit of a technical mess. It's got some. It's got some bugs. It's the controls never feel super great. It's a little rough on the pathfinding. It's kind of rough all around. Move you, your indirect control of your character. You don't have any camera controls. Uh, so you're yeah. on, you're in set pieces, kind of moving your character around, and. Sometimes where they want you to go is an
2: exercise in frustration. Finding out where they want you to go, <sighs> yeah. can be frustrating. This is the thing that is kind of driving me up the wall about it because it is a really nice looking game. It has this like great environment art, great like you know, and like just art design in general. And the environments being a little more open than they are in say the Play Dead stuff, where you're kind of moving along a set side scrolling path for the most part gives you the impression that you should be exploring and poking around and looking at stuff more in the environments than is actually necessary because every once in a while you'll find a little hidden area where maybe something is going on but generally speaking you are still on a pretty set path which means that you have these areas of the environment you can wander around in that just don't lead anywhere and can sometimes lead to you getting stuck in places not, really being, not being able to visually identify where you're supposed to go next
0: Yeah, yes, and uh, some of those hidden areas might be related to uh, achievements or or getting something like that, but it can be frustrating not only mechanically navigating it, but... With your time in trying to be like, okay, it takes me about 45 seconds to transition from this screen, to shimmy along this ledge, to transition to the screen where yeah. there is nothing over here, and now i am just spent a minute and a half, Now I'll go back the other way. Yeah. So, that stuff can be frustrating. It seems like the rules of the game are not always consistent with ledges that you can climb on with areas that you can explore. Sometimes a ledge that seems like you should be able to climb it is not climbable. I've already run into that like twice. Yeah, that can be, I've had to restart a checkpoint at least once, maybe twice because I just bugged out uh, and was like, Oh, I got caught in some geometry or my character was endlessly falling. Uh, I was able to, there was a pathfinding issue with another character that I was able
2: to resolve eventually by is (laughs) is <laughs> suspect in places and it's not yeah. necessarily game breaking, but like whenever there's an NPC character following you around, it's kind of debatable as to whether they will keep following you around depending yeah. on where you go. So
0: one of the main mechanics in the game, if you don't know this game, uh, kind of deals with like an alien invasion. It's pretty, it's pretty opaque what's going on. They're not explicit about anything, but from what I could gather without saying any spoilers, the game kind of launches into this alien invasion. Uh, you get some powers that are based on light. Uh, yes. And, and kind of uh, manipulating lights. Again, it, it a lot of the game is exploring these powers. So I don't want to give it all away if I don't have to. And those work generally pretty well. And, and there's some fun puzzles around that. It's it's basically environmental puzzles using light sources. I've never met a game character that was in more need of a headlamp or a flashlight um because this guy would just be killing it if he just had yeah. folks keep a flashlight in your house in case of emergencies uh, with batteries ideally or something charged. powerful like a mag light yeah. oh it doesn't even matter this guy could have had anything uh because he's got a, the whole quest to find light sources is basically the whole uh, the, the majority of this it goes in interesting places i think the game especially the second half really departs from uh, uh it gets more creative that kind of is less grounded is more creative um has more freedom in the second half the technical stuff gets in the way it, it's a bummer yeah, it, it, it is it, it takes away from it and it, it kind of um is, is a mark on what is otherwise a pretty tight experience at only four or five hours of, of yeah. actual gameplay
2: And that's the thing is, like, I think at that length, you know, especially for a game that is essentially wordless, you really just kind of need to make sure that every moment is hitting and that or at the very least that like the environments you're walking through and the progression is pretty seamless because I like wasting time fuddling around the environments, trying to figure out where you're supposed to go and messing with puzzles that feel like they don't always work 100 percent right. Yeah. is just not a good way to spend a game that feels like something that is meant to be played in like a one single like burst you know what I mean or at least two fairly close together bursts
0: and on top of that they retread some ground in the second half which also feels a little it's narratively um, in context so so it, it makes sense narratively but you are just kind of doing similar puzzles that you just you had solved earlier on the game uh,
1: Similar to like later on, excuse me, and ins- like inside does the trick where you're controlling like lifeless human bodies remotely multiple times, but the puzzles are different enough that it feels fresh every time. Or is this just rote doing the same thing over? Uh,
0: like we're not getting too much into it in spoiler narrative spoiler territory. You're you're kind of just revisiting stuff that you have done, uh, and they change a little bit up, but. Again, you, you, it's a very deliberate pace in the game, so it's not like you have a run button or you're sprinting over stuff. You you know where you have... And when you know where you have to go and just have to get your character there, sometimes it's even more frustrating because yeah. you're just like, oh, okay, I just got to get over here. I want to like this game more than I think I do. Uh, that's that's my biggest beef with it. I It reminds me of Out of This World a lot, and that's a game I really do like. Mm. It, it's It has those, or Another World, I think it was, mm. it was called in the UK, it has those yeah. vibes to it. Um And so it's, it's I don't know, like I want to like it more. Would I love this game if it were polished up? I don't know. I'd be hotter on it than uh, I think I am right now. If it were a perfect te- technical
2: uh, uh piece. It definitely feels like a game that needed a few more months in development yeah. to polish out some aspects of it and You know, it's one of those things where I'm almost at the point now where I'm thinking about just putting it down to see Mm -hmm. if they do patch it or do anything to it to to adjust some of that stuff, because I think there are also some inherent design flaws that probably wouldn't be easily fixed. But if you took a bunch of the technical hiccups out of it, it would be a much more appreciable experience and something that like you can kind of, you know, you can look at some of the puzzles and go, okay, maybe this wasn't so great, but I'm at least engaged with this. The technical stuff is the thing that is actually starting to bounce me away from it because I can deal with one, I can't deal with both.
0: It's 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 funny because uh for a short game, there are some parts where I, I felt like it could have been even shorter. Mm-hmm. The, there, there are some sections there where I'm like, we we could have just lost this whole section and I would have been okay. There's a very long section that's underground, which is a probably one of the more interesting sections. It just goes on for a bit. And yeah. uh there is some arc in the or changes up in the gameplay, which is nice. Very few, but they do change the gameplay a bit. So it's not just the whole game being the one mechanic. There, there's a little bit more. And the ending is really interesting. I, I can't really talk about it without spoiling it, sure. but um, it's like it's an interesting little piece. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not trying to belittle it by saying literally little, but um, you know, the scope of it is smaller than yeah. Uh,
2: I mean, it's it's in the I would say it's certainly in the wheelhouse of what Play Dead did before, and you know it just it just doesn't feel like it has the fit and finish that those games had. Stumbles more, yeah. Uh, it's Somerville. It is uh, out now uh, on
0: uh, PC and Xbox Game Pass. If you got it, twenty five dollars or ish <laughs> thereabouts. I
1: was trying to look around to see if there's been any developments on actual play deads next game but it doesn't look like anything yeah I don't think they've since said anything they, in a while since they put out that last teaser image they still haven't even put a name on that thing uh, uh yeah it's like it might be kind of different like it might not just be a side scroller it's hard to tell from these mm-hmm. images
0: uh I, I hope they they patch up the technical stuff I don't think that would make this um I don't think it would solve all the all the problems but it would help but it might solve enough of them that it would actually compel me to finish it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Somerville. Out yeah. now. All right. Let's talk about some Atari 50, the anniversary celebration. Hot damn, what a week. collection.
1: Game of the week.
2: Uh, I, so I, I kind of agree, honestly.
1: Like, yeah, and no, I actually, when you said on Slack yesterday, like how much you like, I was like, oh, I don't even think of you as a, a huge retro games guy.
2: I am uh, to a degree, but not for Atari stuff at all.
1: That, like that's, that's kind of that, yes, that's where I'm at. I mean, the 2600 was my first console, but like I don't have a huge amount of reverence for Atari stuff. But this package is so goddamn well put together. Like they went so above and beyond with this thing. Like the only word I can think of for this thing is magnificent. It's it's <laughs> like, exhaustive too. It's crazy. Like it's from Digital Eclipse. You know, Drew Scanlon works there. Chris Kohler works there. Mike uh, Mica. Mike, Yes, like a lot of people we know, but like that said, like they basically have established the gold standard already prior to this for collections of old games, you know, Blizzard Arcade collection, the Ninja Turtles, Calabunga collection, the Genesis and Super Nintendo, Aladdin and Lion King stuff they did a while back. They've done a
2: bunch of Disney stuff over time as well.
1: And they've been doing a lot of bonus features for those that have been amazing, but um so like I'd, I actually I saw Kohler briefly a couple months ago and chatted with him about this and then he tweeted the last week before this game came out kind of a big thread with screenshots saying a lot of the same stuff like what they've essentially done here is taken these gigantic bonus sections from these past releases they've done and made that the game yes. like they it's
0: took amazing. all that stuff yeah
1: like they they take they take all those those historical assets and arrange them into a timeline narrative where that's essentially the first thing you see in the game like yeah. you get to the title screen and like. There is a button that just says, take me to the game library, and then you can just scroll through dozens of Atari games. And it's it's everything from Pong to Jaguar. Like, it's yeah. pretty much all of the... I mean, not not everything that will get into the game library. But also, but,
2: like, a, a handful of but, titles
1: that, like, Digital
2: Eclipse made, did remakes yes, or re, remasters yeah, that's, of.
1: That's a whole weird, unexpected other aspect of this thing. But, like, the, but the, the main thing I was going to say, though, is, like, that shortcut to the game library is almost like an afterthought on the title screen. Yeah. Because the main the main component of the title screen is this five section timeline thing. It's basically like the early years, which is like arcade and pinball, the console years. Uh, I, I'm going through it in order. So I haven't seen everything, but like, I think the third section is basically the crash. Yes. Like the, the video game market crash. Um, fourth section is home computers. And then fifth is like the later years, you know, Jaguar and, and links and stuff. But you pop into those things. And it, first of all, the motion graphic quality of this thing is just sublime. Like, all the designs are just so like like modern but 70s-looking and like just really slick transitions between everything. But the timelines that they, like they drop you straight into a timeline as soon as you press a button on one of those things. And it's a horizontal timeline that's mostly, I think it's, well, it's, it's not all ga- it's mostly games at the top line, but some other stuff, but then from almost every item on the, on the timeline, you can scroll down to additional items about that point in time. And Like the range of shit they pulled for this thing is just astonishing, and like I don't know about you guys, but for like for my money, the new documentary stuff they shot with a lot of those original engineers, and I mean, there's like tons of names in this thing. Like I haven't seen I haven't seen Nolan Bushnell yet. I don't know if they got him or not, but like Eugene Jarvis Jarvis is is there, like like a bunch of Al Alcorn, like all most of the names from early Atari that you think of are in here. And then and they also interview well. people like Tim Schaefer and, and, and also Clippy Tim Schaefer.
0: Yeah. Cliff <laughs> very was excited
1: in. when Tim Schaefer popped up. Yeah, but it, but it's also
0: edited very well. Like it's, it's,
1: it's all put together super well. So and they clearly have
0: a ton of footage and they they make they put the relevant parts together for the thing you clicked on. Uh, and they, they it's edited. It's got a sense of humor to it. Yeah, uh, even in the editing. Oh, it's, it's, it's irreverent it's, in a way that
2: feels like these these they they did it specifically because these are the guys they have to talk to and these guys are all goofballs but like, like in a yeah. good way
1: but, but also some of them are really heartfelt though yeah. they actually like they start with the show with the show because they start with computer space the very first atari <laughs> arcade game and literally literally the first uh clip is god i, I forget um it's one of the engineers which, i can't remember yeah i can't remember which one it is but like it's actually a super heartfelt clip about him in, I think, I think they dated it around 2000. They found a sunflower farm in ca- like believe, Dixon, California, in Dixon, California, which is like, you know, they basically f- answered an ad in the San Jose Mercury and found a dude on a farm uh, who had multiple uh, computer space machines. And they determined that, I don't know if it, Ted, isn't it Ted Dabney? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, the,
0: those are Ted's machines?
1: I don't, I don't know if he's still alive or not. I don't think so, he's in He he's passed. Yeah. He has passed. He passed. Oh, wow, yeah, he passed four years ago, actually. But they basically put, like, he, like, th- this engineer called up Nolan Bushnell, and, like, they put two and two together, and they are like, oh, like, that was Ted's route. Up. Yeah. What, what was it, 80 or something? I forget. <sighs> no, what?
2: I think it was even earlier than that. It was like...
1: No, 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 I mean the highway, I forget. Oh, but, yeah, highway anyway, 80 the,
2: between, like, it's halfway between uh, the Bay Area and Sacramento.
1: Right, right. So, like, they basically kind of puzzled it out, and they were like, wait, this was Ted's route. Like, these are Ted's machines, and this person had all four colors of computer space, and they basically determined, like, this yellow one this guy has is the first computer space ever made.
0: What do you say? He paid six grand five, for they the
1: paid $5,000 $5, for all of those yeah. machines, and he just, like, sees very, like, he's almost tell. tearful. He's like, he's like, like very moved. Like, like, I'd fucking do, like, five minutes into, the, like, here I am, like, tearing up at a fucking Atari collection so, five minutes into this thing. And then like, ten minutes... In, in, it's incredible.
2: And then ten minutes later, you get a video about how they were all do smoking, like yes, just prodigious like, amounts of weed while they were making yes, like, arcade like, machines. Sorry,
1: nobody was smoking weed in this office. It's like, it's like, a, uh, yeah, David, David Crane <laughs> going like a, those things may have been going on, but not in my department. Like, <laughs> who's the like, guy
2: in the suspenders that is uh, like? One night, I was just—I you know, smoked a bunch of weed. I did dude, a little was, coke and added was, a little psy- psychocillin yes, to it.
1: He was, yes, like, and then he was like, and then I went and scribbled, scribbled down a page full of notes, and that yeah. became exactly the game that I meant, like, just incredible.
0: Yeah, that whole um, thing is great. Who's the guy who has the blurred out uh, uh, background? That's, that's that's Eugene, Eugene Jarvis. Jarvis. That's Eugene. Okay. Yeah, he's, uh,
1: Eugene Jarvis. I've never really seen him speak before. He seems like a very fun guy. He swears a lot, which is fun. I um, think he's
2: also in that Midway documentary that okay. came out a few years ago. Like that would make sense. Yeah, I think I remember seeing him talking in that, and he, uh, yeah, he's fun.
0: So the, um, the, it's you, an interactive, it's an interactive museum piece. It yeah. is, yeah. It, it's like it. you went to a museum. It's An installation. And it's, yeah, it's it really less, is.
1: I, it's less. I, I'm stealing this from Twitter. Right? It's less. It's less a game, an old games collection, and more an interactive documentary.
2: Yeah, and it's great, um, and it's put together super well. Because the yeah. thing, the thing of it is, nobody needs to play Pong in 2022. Like that is. It's great that it's there. But the second you boot up Pong, you're like, yep, that's Pong. And then you turn it off and you move on to the next thing. The important thing is that you learn about Pong and that you have access to Pong in perpetuity. You may never play it again, but it's always there. And all the info you would ever want about Pong is right there at your fingertips.
1: Well, Also, like you're playing Pong and then you can actually just pause Pong and hit a button and go straight to the operator, like the flyer for arcade operators that they distribute. And then like immaculate high resolution, you can read exactly what they were putting out in the seventies to, to operators to try to sell that thing. I mean, like it's the, it's just like that Ninja Turtles thing that we did, like the breadth of material in here. Like, uh, I forget. It was, it was a Dabney or one of the early engineers. Like the first asset you see is a gigantic high res scan of his business card the early seventies. It's just like, it's, there's so much shit in here. I did, I did poke into the, um, the home computer section a little bit because I couldn't resist. Yeah. Like they've got all the magazine, the, you know, the, from computer magazines, the ads they sold those things with, but they also have the TV commercials. Which oh, I just haven't some, seen those. Yet. There's a fair amount fantastic. of archival
2: footage in there, including commercials, but also some like news footage of like, you know, some early coverage of Atari and video games in general.
1: Yeah, oh, I, I don't know if it's, it's right up front. You guys probably saw there's like there's footage from a 70s documentary about Atari. Yes, yes. Like when when Bushnell yeah. was like super young. Yeah, and yeah, that's fine. Talking to him as they're launching the business. And he, he's when he's walking around about, like,
0: the rows and rows of computer space
1: and he's straight up in there talking about like yeah the, all this technology is now affordable due to government investment like the government was worked on this technology for so long that now we can produce it cheaply enough and sell it
0: and um, it's funny because they're they're talking uh, i found this entertaining they're talking about those games were um not even necessarily programmed in a, the the kind of the sense of a, a written program they're just you know the chips are in a certain that's order something, yes yeah.
1: that, that's something i had like i'd that hit me as like I maybe I knew that at some point but I had totally forgotten that this the 6502 the CPU everybody used back then didn't come along until several years right. later so, so
0: so in that documentary they're talking about that and then you know for me I'm like oh my gosh those, those PCBs are so huge and they're talking about you know like 10 years ago this would have taken up the entire uh, a whole house worth of stuff and yeah, it's yeah, like man and, yeah, yeah. yeah it's wild it's, to see like, like they're so excited about just having integrated circuits just yes. having to be like not individual transistors on a thing
2: Yes, um, it's which also is, fun. Which is see, fascinating. It's also fun to see them talk pretty openly about their failures. You know, like the whole pinball thing is basically just them talking about, "God, that was a terrible idea." Like, <laughs> oh, Deon they honored. hate that guy they who hate took it over so
1: much. Oh the what the Warner Brothers executive yeah, that came yeah. in after they got bought out, like dude, that Hercules pinball machine. Did you read about that? <laughs> yes. yes, they use the. the I've the, seen that. That was biggest, at Um, we, the, you seen it? Oh
0: yeah, oh it was God. at, Um, the the place that oh, Rich the, Gallup used to take us to oh, fun, uh, spot? Yeah. No, no, the, the pinball arcade. One. Yeah. Oh, the, oh right, yeah, right, yeah. right, yeah.
1: Like I, this, it's the world's biggest pinball machine. It uses pool cues. Cues. Yeah. Instead of pinballs. <laughs>
0: and even the even the text on there is like it's not very fun (laughs) just like you get over the novelty it's not very fun it really is so it's as you're going through these um certain games allow you to play them or to at least play a digital eclipse recreation or a kind of homage to them right because you some of them are well, just aren't replicable in yeah, the way. yeah some, some of them you can't yeah. play like computer space yeah you can't play um, there's there,
1: there are several of those pre software games that are just built out of straight up chips that, yeah and pong is I think the only one of those that you can boot up like I was I was a little disappointed like that's what I was gonna say earlier it's like some games are not here yeah I was a little disappointed I would love to be able to play stuff like computer space I don't know if there are maybe ways to do that on PCs these or, days but, or like, even
0: like an emulation or, or kind um, of uh, uh, an homage to it because that's maybe a, it, 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 they lead with that and not just being able to play the first thing is a yeah, little bit
1: of a like uh, I, I was a little bummed you can't just boot up computer space but maybe expecting a software recreation of that is out of scope for this thing um, yeah. but um like I said you can just get to a giant list of games and like I certainly didn't count I mean I think there were a bajillion 2600 games and there are only maybe a few dozen at most in this so they're definitely missing some stuff and also there's like of the four Atari games. games, oh, is that is, total? That's a total the thing.
2: Yeah, they're saying same. over a hundred games total. Okay. okay. Yeah,
1: like of of the like four twenty six hundred games I had, one of them was an Activision game, Barnstorming, and that's not in here. So I think it's just Atari games, but still, there's a ton of stuff in here.
0: It's um, it's it's cool. I jumped over. I was going through it, uh, um, you know, section by section, but I also did skip to the crash. I wanted to just skip over to E. T. and the uh, the mm-hmm. video game Crash. To see how that stuff is covered, and it was fun, you know. Like the, uh, there's a lot of stuff in there, you know. I did come up with the this stuff. This is you know the 2600 was in my house. I had a bunch of games. I didn't have a um, was it the VCS? I did not have um, that. But the, I had no idea, you know. As a kid, during a lot of this stuff, you don't know what is happening behind the scenes. Yeah, that I don't know if you got up to the part where they had that whole holographic. um a console they were trying to make and they just scrapped it kind of at the last second there like hearing them talk about being an adult now being an adult who's gone through a lot of corporate stuff and business stuff it's fascinating to hear that nothing has changed that you know people who want to come in and basically say you've got a good thing how do we market this and make the most money from it and be like in doing that you will probably destroy the thing that you know is yeah. Yeah, that we are here to do And a bunch of goofballs who were like, we really, I'm sure there's more drama in there that is not exposed, but from what I've gotten from a lot of the vibes was people who just wanted to do this thing. It had similar ILM vibes to me. People who are passionate, very good at this certain thing somebody who realized they could monetize it with a crew of people who were just
2: very good at it. Right. Like no, we very good. And we're in a position where they were basically having to solve all these problems of, you know, creating a mass market, you know, video game company and devices for the first time, because yes. there just w- weren't really any other major American companies doing this.
0: And they, um, they allude to in the home console stuff with the, around the crash, it was an interesting soundbite. I can't wait to listen to more of it. But, uh, Nobody had really figured out how to launch a follow up console. Like what, yeah. what? What? What does that mean? What does that mean? What does that even like? What do you do with a follow up console? Like you know what? What happened? They you know they mentioned the is the Odyssey the the yeah the, the
1: Odyssey was had first.
0: been had been out but like nobody knew what to do for your encore right like what mm-hmm. what happens there. And there's like a lot of mistakes. And so I haven't gotten past some of that. And I, I really want to check it
1: out. I'm not even really
0: playing a lot of the games. I'm yeah. just watching all the videos. I'm and them up. Them I'm trying material. them out,
2: you know. And I tried that tank. Uh, oh, yeah. tank!
1: yes. That, that's uh, the, that's my favorite flyer in that thing. The I think the game. The name of the game is just tank. But in the, in the operator flyer <laughs> that they have in there, with it the is covers. tank. Yeah. Because it's all caps with an exclamation mark. It's like fucking tank. Tank. What's the like, there's just like, that's another reason I got a little emotional going through this thing is that it's a lot of it is just so quaint. It is. Look, think about that. It's a video game called tank tank. And that's it. It's what? just tank. I, I weirdly found myself enjoying fire truck for some okay. reason. I was playing fire truck and I was like, you know what? This is actually kind of fun.
2: I could have seen myself dumping some quarters into this if I was in the 1970s. They yeah. had that at the um,
0: that arcade thing in California fire trucks. So people yeah. had that. The, um, there was the <laughs> one that had the covers that looked like boobs uh the oh the, right the what was that <laughs> well that wasn't f- touch touch it or feel it there was something else It was something it was, like
2: a, that but... but it was like
0: it was a maze game or something it was a maze uh and i was like that is super funny because the poster for it also was very sexualized mm-hmm. and they they said they had to remove the covers that looked like boobs because they were expensive eventually but people did not like it Like, all of that stuff is just dumb and funny.
1: Yeah. Um, I I don't think there's a way to get high-res box art. I mean, the box art is pretty decent looking on the timeline, but I don't think you can zoom it anywhere, which is maybe a little unfortunate. The 2600 has got some of the best fucking box art in video game history, like those those hand-painted covers for... Can you not zoom uh, it like the other stuff? Like the... uh, I I haven't found a way to zoom the box art. They all have manuals, and the manuals typically have the same painting on the cover, so you Mm -hmm. can kind of get the same thing. Okay. Um... Yes, the box art this, is fantastic for this, a lot this, of this 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 thing has made me realize that I kind of really want a print of the Haunted House cover which is one of the four other f- one, uh, four games I owned. Is Was that, that Haunted, in the collection? Haunted House. Yeah, Haunted House. Okay. So <clears throat> Haunted House is in there and it's one of the the games that they used as the basis for these like I'm trying to think what to call them tribute games I guess that they made like there there's yeah. a hand, there's oh, like four okay. uh, four of them, maybe five like modern games that people at digital clips made that are tributes to certain games in here. And like, I think, I think it's called haunted houses is this one. Mm -hmm. And it's literally a 3d, like third person version of haunted house with the same, but your character is still the same little disembodied eyeballs floating around in the dark, which is fucking weird. Um, trying to think what else there's, there's that, that game vector sector that is like, they basically took every Atari vector game and mashed it up into one game. Yes. Like there's, it's weird. Like they uh, straight break, up made new games for breakout.
0: This I think they did. They um, did. There's a new version oh, of Neo breakout. breakout.
1: Yeah. Neo Breakout is one of them, um, uh,
0: which also I did not know that Steve jobs and Wozniak were programmers yeah. or oh, yes, I, I had no idea.
1: Yes. That's, that's like a f- famous part of the Apple origin story is that I want to, was it there or HP? I forget. I forget where it was that Woz was like earning his keep by reducing the number of chips on the boards. <laughs> I think it might've been an Atari that he was like straight up, like figuring out how to reduce the number of parts they needed That's to make am- these things by optimizing the designs.
0: It's amazing. Uh,
1: there's also some like shitty stuff in there about, I don't know if that was an Atari or not about like Steve jobs taking credit for Woz's work and mm-hmm. keeping most of the money without telling him shit nice. like that. Anyway. Uh,
0: so the, the thing I got up to yesterday was, um, my son popped in while I was playing it and I was very curious if he would be interested in any of the, history of the games i think he mostly just wanted to play them which is still fun but um you know i wonder does this clearly this is made by people who have a reverence for it who wanted this story to be out there i'll be curious asking the audience our audience does this resonate with people who did not have a nostalgia for it is it interesting just on a
2: historical Well, I mean, I can say for my part, again, I was not an Atari person at Mm. all. Like, my buddy Frankie, when I was in elementary school, was the only person I know who had a 2600, and I only played it, like, a handful of times when I would go over to his house. Like, that whole console (laughs) section completely passed me by as a kid, basically. So going into this, I had no real enthusiasm for it. I was like, okay, cool, yeah, Digital Eclipse, they'll do a good job on it, whatever. But it it was not like I was excited to play any of this stuff, because I just don't care about those games for the most part. But I do really enjoy behind the scenes documentary work on any aspect of any medium that I'm interested in, whether it's a company I care about or not. And I think the work they have done in these interviews and the the supplemental materials they've built for this stuff absolutely will appeal to any person who likes that kind of stuff about video games in general.
1: Yeah, yes, I fully agree. I I think any story can be interesting if you tell it effectively, and they absolutely have done so here.
2: Yeah. It's need,
1: really
0: good. I need and to it, talk to Drew and see if he filmed or or Yeah, uh, I was, was looking
1: at the um uh the menus when you scroll through the five time periods there're a bunch of like really nice like panning and rotating shots of the hardware in the background and I was looking at that stuff going like I wonder if Drew was involved <laughs> in those shoots.
0: Yeah, we I should, wonder if he did the should, green maybe, screen stuff and
1: I've been thinking maybe we should get those guys on a stream <laughs> and like pick their brains about some of the stuff like it, honestly to me the most like noble aspect of this is that they did get a lot of these original employees to sit yeah. down and like go on the record about stuff like the drug use, but also just anything in general, like yeah, the big story about like the first pong test machine breaking down. That was super stuff. fun. Like, like it's kind of sad to say, you know, but like Nolan Bushnell is turning 80 next year. Like I said, Ted Dabney passed away already. Like these guys are getting up there and like that knowledge will not be available forever.
0: Uh, like to that point, like they tell that story and it's this folk tale for so many people. Even Tim Schafer's like, I heard the tale. Everyone's heard about I the phone machine, yeah, yeah. And it's like they then they have the guy who was involved in it being like, I went there. This is what happened. And then they end that clip with people being like, I don't know if it's true or not. And like, it's just it's just great to have the people there who were directly involved in it and not just have to have people be like, This is what I heard. You know, like mm-hmm. have it insert. It, I thought it was very clever editing and a well job, well done job producing it to have the person who first hand knowledge of it was there being like, this is really what happened. And then end with people still being like, eh, it's a folk tale. I don't, it could it have happened. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's just entertaining. It, yeah. They make it entertaining. I hope they're able to, this should be a thing. And I hope digital Eclipse is very proud of it, but there's a thing that I would love to see used to go and tell other stories from other companies like, like a whole uh, acclaim story or even like if you could ever get Nintendo to have people sit down and talk about Nintendo or a bunch of companies because this template is fantastic. Dude,
1: I I would fucking, I would cut off my big toe to get one of these for every main major hardware maker and publisher from Uh, antiquity. Like I mm -hmm. absolutely would give anything for that stuff. Like you said, the access depending on the company is going to be tough.
2: And the rights depending on what kind of Um, stuff they were making.
1: Unless the company itself sees the value in the stuff and commissions it themselves. And then they open the vault or whatever. Yeah.
2: Like a Sega
0: one would be. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: Totally. Like like a
0: Sega one. There's so many characters in Sega
2: that you need to talk to now before they are no longer with us. Uh, and this does feel like a jumping off point for them, because up to this point, Digital Clips, while they've done incredible work with this archiving stuff and, and making these games available, have mostly focused on franchises. Like, it has mm-hmm. mostly been like, here's your, your Mega Man games, here's your Teenage Mutant Turtles games, and that stuff. If you can make this kind of pitch and use this kind of game to pitch to major companies, be like, we want to do much more broad spectrum collections of your history, of the things you have done. I mean, I can't think of a better like you know like bullet point to be like look at this thing we made to get that kind of thing rolling going forward. Like this is a great conversation starter for that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, it's like that's the beauty of the chronological narrative format is that it it works for literally everything. Yeah, there's like nothing that you can't tell a story in order about the origin of right, whether it's a franchise or a piece of hardware or a company or whatever.
0: I didn't skip to the end, and this I guess would maybe determine what the viability is of this template for modern companies that are still putting out stuff. Do they go into modern Atari and the current state of it?
1: I mean, I I, I haven't looked at that last section yet, but looking at the way it's titled and presented, I'm pretty sure it's just... Uh, The current CEO of Atari
2: is interviewed. So, so, yes, I don't I'm not
1: super familiar with the state of Atari's uh, current ownership. He's he's quite young. Mm -hmm. Yes. uh, But he also seems very passionate about Atari. So it's like not the worst thing for him to be in here a little bit, I guess. I mean, like, yeah, I'm not I'm not super familiar with that lineage in the last few years. I mean, certainly the Atari name has gotten like passed around and co-opted and used for different purposes. You know, like Infogrames became Atari for a while. Um,
2: so the thing I will say, at least from what I know as, as of recently is that the ver- current version of Atari mostly exists to sell stuff based on the things they own the licenses of. Yeah,
1: I, I think that's right. And build hotels or not, or not, but, um, but if you want I, a limited
2: I've... edition of Yars' revenge, you can buy one for a hundred dollars on their website right now.
1: Uh, are they selling prints of those? But if anybody from Atari is listening, please make prints of those of the Atari twenty six hundred box. Art. Oh no, it's the I,
2: box. Like you can, it, it's if you want oh, to s- oh. go take a look.
1: Oh, I thought you were saying it was like a repro of. Oh, the
2: it's, cart? it is. I think it is a repro, but I think it has the original art on it.
1: Hang on, am I just gonna like live check out the? Just Atari go check out Atari <laughs> okay uh, do they
2: I'll, interview phil harrison
0: at some point in this did i hope you, not uh, did, he, did he come through the doors
1: yeah I, like i was gonna say, I, I think looking at it i think it probably stops with the jaguar and the Lynx. i could see okay. there maybe being a couple of bullet points about like the future or something after that but like i think that is pretty traditionally considered like the end of the original version of atari
0: yeah so like if you're doing one for the sega jaguar. would you stop at the dreamcast um or do you go no, beyond not in that
1: case? Because okay. their franchises have lived on way beyond their hardware.
0: Yeah. So, like, I wonder do you get into sticky situations where you have an ongoing software brand that maybe doesn't want some of this? I don't know. Maybe it gets a little trickier. Atari is a particular brand. I think you could do an Acclaim one for sure. Like, uh, I don't know if Acclaim has the same heat that Atari mm. has. I'm going to yeah. say it doesn't. Uh, but yeah, Atari 50. It's, it's
1: forty bucks. It's it's, it, it's a beautiful product.
0: It really is. It, it's it's not a game, and it's and it's not just a um, uh, it's not just an Encarta entry. It is really an interactive step through, and one of the one of the better ones I've ever seen. Uh, um, interactive museum piece that you can have. It's it's kind of beautiful, really.
1: Yeah, yeah. And if and if you again, if you care about the medium and the history of it. Like it's kind of moving. It's honestly, I genuinely found it to be very moving. I agree in a, in a lot of ways,
0: and also entertaining. Like it is, it is, it, it's hitting a lot of really great notes. Uh, and then on top of that, I almost would be okay if it didn't have it. But on top of that, you can play some of the games if that so interests you uh, in there. But really, yeah, yeah, uh,
1: there there is plenty of stuff in there to play. I should have talked to Kohler about this stuff more i don't think there is a whole lot of a jaguar emulation scene mm. so i think that there might actually be some value in these jaguar games i don't value mm-hmm. in sneer quotes
2: relatively speaking uh
1: i don't i should have looked this up before uh i, I think there might be some jaguar em- anyway like it's not as easily emulated i think as most of the more popular consoles so just having a bunch of Jaguar games at your easy disposal so you can finally satisfy your 25-year-old curiosity and go, oh, wow, Trevor McFur in the Crescent Galaxy is terrible. <laughs> That's what everybody was talking about. Uh,
0: <laughs> there's, I think there's absolutely, for me, you know, the last bit I'll say about this, absolutely for me, also a joy in seeing these people interviewed, knowing that somewhere Mike Micah and I'm sure a lot of other people at Digital Eclipse were just geeking out over these interviews like because i know they have a real hardcore passion for this stuff and so i can only imagine them having the being able to get these people in their in the room and talk to them ask the right questions and Mm -hmm. kind of have a great knowledge base there's something exciting even just thinking about that secondhand excitement for them to i bet they would have done this even if they couldn't make a product out of it you know like just have those people in a room to talk to so that's that's also very exciting um i I think it's a the right team doing a great job by it so atari 50th anniversary collection kind of available on everything i don't know if there's any any reason i would say this isn't playable um the same way on the switch unless there's something with the video that got knocked down in terms of resolution but there is a switch version of it but uh kind of available everywhere 40 bucks Quickly please, here. S- please support this. I want yeah, yeah, more, I would more things like oh this. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, quickly here, uh, I'm going to touch on God of War Ragnarok. Just an update. Um, not too much progression on the narrative side of things. I am still, but more hours have been put in. I am trying to mop up as much as I can before I um, wrap up the game, which I think I'm fairly close to uh, near the end. I, uh, am i gonna get everything probably probably probably, probably.
1: did you I, get everything in forbidden west yeah i did right yeah i yeah. uh, once you got uh, sony t- sony like t- making a habit of this intentionally seems like a lot of their first party games if you play through them you're like 90 percent of the way there
0: so the i look at my tr- my platinum list it's it's the ones that i have platinums are all sony first party game it's horizon it's horizon forbidden west it's god of war and it's god of war well not god of war ragnarok yet but um elden ring also is is the latest one i got a platinum in but the god of war stuff as i go into more challenging combat situations i find that i really like the combat puzzle of the more arena puzzle-based stuff and less so the open-world combat that you stumble into. You know you know what I mean by yes. the difference there? Yeah, so like stuff that is more of a, hey, can you do this? I really enjoy because that's when I sit down and I try to spec out and be like, alright, here's my, here's my seven-opener move I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do this move, I'm gonna do this move, I'm gonna pop this thing, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this and I really enjoy that part of it and I think I, I enjoyed that from the first God of War. So... More updates. I think I'll probably have it wrapped up this weekend narratively. Um, So let's see next time if I can talk more about my thoughts on the story stuff. So far, I enjoy the first one more and narratively, but um, yeah, combat's pretty good. And the, the pace at which I'm getting new items has slowed to now that I can just dump resources into gear that I really like. And on that, I think we're going to wrap up the games part. We're going to come back for some news. So stick around. We'll be right back. This week's show is brought to you by Bespoke
2: Post. Alex Navarro, you know I love packages. I mean, I get them all the time. It's always an exciting time when a box arrives at your door. It is always
0: an exciting time. Sometimes they open that box and it's from Bespoke Post. And inside that box, like this week, is a knife. That's a, you know... A thing i can use when i need to cut things i think this one i this i've gotten more than a few knives from bespoke post
2: are you trying this, to say that when you get a knife the thing you need to do with a knife is knife <laughs>
0: i might have gotten around to say that in a, a shorter way i yes
2: yeah all right uh,
0: this one was a uh, specifically uh fishing knife which means it's got uh, all the things you need to fillet a fish let's say or, or field dress a fish bespoke post puts together a box of awesome and the things inside that box range from whiskey glasses, which I've gotten. I've gotten uh, incense things that I still have and use in my bathroom. Uh, and sometimes, occasionally, a knife uh, that'll go inside a kit that is themed. Because, Alex Navarro, you take a quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right box of awesome for you. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories, and each box is valued at around $70, but you're only gonna pay a fraction of that price. This is one of my favorite parts, Alex. With each box of Awesome, you're supporting small businesses. 90% of everything that comes in your box of Awesome is from a small, up and coming brand. It's free to sign up, and you can skip a month or cancel at any time. To get 20% off your first monthly box, sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code NEXTLANDER at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com, code NEXTLANDER for 20% off your first box, boxofawesome.com, code NEXTLANDER. Thanks, Bespoke Post. And we're back, and it's time for the news—not the old news about Atari stuff, though that's fascinating news. The new news about possible game—the new new news, new news, modern news, uh, contemporary uh, news—confirmation,
1: confirmation confirmation of the mixture of drugs in use at Atari. That's new news in the mid seventies. I think qualifies as new news to
0: me. (laughs) From what I understand, there were no drugs in those offices. Mm -hmm. That's what I heard. Uh, there was one
2: guy who complained, and they moved him to a different
1: <laughs> building. I love the part where he's like, oh, yeah, we had like, a really rigid German
2: engineer or something. He didn't know what he was. he uh, yeah. was a business guy. guy yeah. He complained
1: about the weed smoke, so they moved him to a different building. Very funny.
0: Uh, we've got some other news here. Brad Shoemaker, you've pulled a bunch of stories here. Let's start with the Control News. Who's
1: control controlling two. the news? Control 2. Control 2. Control 2. That's the news. That's the news. Confirm- control 2. With whom? Question.
2: Is yes. this news? Because I thought we knew
1: this. It's I. It, I mean, yes. It's a little. Eh. Okay. I, I to me the, the fact that they said the words control two is absolutely news. Okay. Like they they had they had said you know they've been they had announced that multiplayer game like God two years ago or something now mm. uh, said in the control universe and they did say what was it Project Heron I think was or code name Heron. Uh, they did say was I forget what the language was something about it a larger sequel in the control universe or something like that. Yes. But to come out and just say, Hey, it's control two is still very notable to me, largely okay. because I really like control.
2: Well, that's the part I was just trying to figure out was had they said control two before, but I guess no. they had not.
1: No, they had not said those words. They had okay. just said it got another sequel in the control franchise is coming. But since, since this first one was a multiplayer game that I kind of felt like that could be anything. Okay. Um, but to literally just call it control two sounds like a much more direct sequel to that first game. Uh, which I mean, who else is excited about a new control?
0: I hey. am, absolutely me. So this like, is uh, this is Remedy and Five Hundred Five. Yeah, uh, Five
1: Hundred Five is publishing again.
0: Five Hundred Five. Uh, the thing I learned today: Five Hundred Five is owned by a company called Digital Bros, mm-hmm. which
1: is an Italian company. Mm-hmm. Digital Bros. Does bro mean something else in Italian? Yeah, like that's not their <laughs> that's not the Italian term for company is it I like incorporated? I
0: don't think so. I think, okay. I think it's it's a nice digital bro. Hey. Digital Bros sounds like a uh YouTube channel that got into trouble in like the mm-hmm.
2: like 5 years ago or like something. Like the worst kind of trouble. <laughs> yeah.
1: I don't Is that recent? I don't know if I've never I heard I've never heard that
2: that name in association with 505
1: before. <laughs> um Hang on. Now I now I need to know. Oh no, they were founded as a subsidiary of Digital Weird. I Maybe just, they just don't talk about it much. Yeah, I guess that name wasn't exposed previously. Oh no, it's raw. Yeah, yeah, you should look at the logo. It's right there. The Digital Bros. Digital, digital Bros. is where right, Digital. Br- <laughs> the logo says Digital Bros. Digital Entertainment.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like Digital Bros. sounds like like an NFT line. Yeah. Get your digital bro. Yeah. It's yeah. just a shitty pixel art, like, picture of a guy.
1: <laughs> I mean... A backwards hat. Digital bros. Anyway. Um, anyway. That's not the news. The news is Control no. 2. Yeah. I mean, I, first of all, I have become very sequel-averse in my old age. Mm. Or more to the point, I feel like sequels really need to justify themselves, and a lot of them don't these days. But... Control is like the exception that proves the rule because I feel like Control is a game that you absolutely could do like a ton of sequels to. Yes. Because the first game was like Jesse Faden's origin story, but now it's just the X-Files. Yeah. Like now it is literally just like you could straight up do monster of the week style if it's, you really wanted to. Like were But like, with more guns. For, for as weird and supernatural as that first game got, like they could kind of do anything they think of for a for a sequel to Control.
2: And- in addition to that, which I I fully agree with, that is really what I'm looking forward to here. I also am very curious to see what kind of lessons they learned from the some of the aspects of control that did not work as well. Obviously, there were technical hiccups with that game before, you know, kind of the the, like, especially if you're playing on consoles. And I think some of the design stuff of the oldest house and kind of turning it into a Metroidvania where there aren't really checkpoints. Outside of very specific zones, made navigating that space not as much fun as it could have been.
1: Yeah, checkpointing yeah, check was
2: I'd, rough some places.
1: I'd, I definitely loved the idea of it being a Metroidvania in concept. Yeah, like they could. Did, did you get fast travel by the end of that game? You did, right? I think you had eventually. you got fast
0: travel to certain areas, those nodes. Okay. I think that yeah. you right you, you, you did.
1: Yeah, that, that helped. I mean, it, well, you know, it wasn't perfect, but like in, in concept again, I like I like that idea much better than just a linear, more kind of level based thing. Yeah. Also, it was incredibly too combat heavy, especially toward the end. But they—they, they,
0: um, I think, like you said, they have a narrative structure there that allows them to do so much without feeling like they have to escalate. It's got—it's got that Men in Black line where uh, in the movie where they say uh, there's always some kind of death ray or world ending or whatever. So. Even though the stakes of the first game felt super high, I feel like the stakes probably always feel super high in the control universe where there is always some mind destroying uh, death, a world ending thing going on. So my problem with sequels is usually, well, how do you raise the stakes? And by
2: raising the stakes, they kind of dilute the, the whole thing. That's the thing. I hope they don't really raise the stakes. I hope they just change the stakes because yeah. I don't think there needs to be this overarching thing. It's like it's always about the you know the past of Jesse Faden and, you know, all the stuff that she like. There's some stuff in there mm-hmm. that I think you could plumb a little further in. But if you just want to make a next game that has nothing to do with any of that and is literally just like her first real big crisis that has nothing to do with that whole story, I'm all for it.
0: They could do a mini game where you're you play as the guy who has to stare at that fridge or whatever the entire time and never never, like tap the button to never blink like that stuff. Mm -hmm. Some of those small details are some of the best parts of that universe.
2: Agreed.
1: Uh, Also, there's so much potential in that, in that franchise that like if they came out in six months and said, no, by the way, you don't even play as Jesse in the sequel. Like I would not be shocked at all. Like that would just be. Yeah yet another reason to be interested in a sequel here. I'd want like her in there as a character. Yeah, yeah for sure, for sure. And, like, it's totally fine if you do play. The, the point I'm making is, like, it feels like the potential for a sequel is wide open in yep. terms of they could do anything they want and make it work. They later- like a, you know, like unlike a God of War sequel where, of course, you're going <laughs> to plays kratos again and you're going to very directly continue a storyline that was already going yeah this could just this could just veer off into any wild shit
0: like they could do an anthology series where the whole game is just 12 chapters of different people on different missions um that kind of loosely tied together you know some people make it back some people don't could be very fun uh (laughs) we've got a uh a couple of phil spencer notes here
1: Yes, this week, this week's on, on this week's installment of Phil Spencer says, <laughs>
0: yeah, what did Phil Spencer say this week?
1: Uh, he did a podcast with The Verge, uh, which multiple head blog headlines were mined from. Um, they've killed off that uh, key, that project keystone for now, for now, permanently, maybe not permanently for the foreseeable future that was that, uh, that was their set top box.
0: The thing that made its debut, was the, uh, in the background. notably in the background on Phil's. Yeah. He's show. I,
1: He actually says here that that thing was functional. Like that was an actual working prototype that they took home and tested and stuff.
0: I thought he that was, was that, it was re- a very reasonable interview here about the fate of this thing.
1: Yeah. They just couldn't get the cost to where they thought it made sense, uh, with respect to the series S, which is already 300 and we'll be getting price cuts through the holidays and stuff. Mm hmm um to be fair he seems very married shipping that thing with a controller which like i guess i get it i yeah, think that I guess, is kind of important i guess i guess i guess that thing probably doesn't sell to people that don't already have a controller
0: yeah i think having a controller's like a, a smart move on their part if it came uh, if they sold one without a controller i don't think that's as attractive a box and that's right. you know that adds 30 40 dollars at cost probably i mean yeah, the controller sells for yeah. 60 right
1: <clears throat> right like i just there probably isn't much of an audience for that thing that already has xbox controllers sitting around or at least modern series ones i mean i would uh,
0: i think in a multi-story or multi-room house like if you are able to go and just pop yeah, this thing somewhere else on a different tv true. maybe but but even still do you want to bring another that controller around no you want that you want an extra controller sitting with it so uh yeah yeah
1: and anyway, yeah, they just couldn't get the price where they wanted, so that thing is um, not yet off off the table. But now
0: he did say they kind of just doubled down on the app work they were doing. Uh, the, the yeah, uh, like the,
1: that team pivoted to the is it Samsung, Samsung or LG? I think it was Samsung to, to get there. Yeah, yes, streaming app into televisions,
0: which is also a smart move.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, you're never going to make a ton of money just on hardware unless you're Apple. Yeah. So, like, that was, I thing it was just going to be a way to get Game Pass into people's houses anyway.
0: And he's also very, um, uh, I, I mean, I like this about Phil. He he just comes off as somebody who is thinking about this. He's congratulatory to the team that they really busted their butts to make this thing and work. They just couldn't get the price down. So, um, uh, yeah, seems like a totally reasonable point of view for, yeah. uh, and transparent i i think who knows but it, it comes off that way yeah uh, what's this other phil business this this one's maybe a little murky phil's out here today maybe this one's a little murkier in terms of uh phil having lawyers at his back on
1: on this one. well i mean of course they also talked about the uh, activision acquisition the acquisition, the act okay. act acquisition uh, okay. acquisition uh-huh um and like regulatory pressure seems to be have been. I mean, it has been heating up for some time. Like we haven't been talking about it every week because I feel like that stuff tends to run together. But like, especially in Europe, like that deal is actually getting eyeballed pretty damn hard now. Uh, and Sony is certainly out there banging the drum as much as they can.
0: I mean, it's a big that deal is,
1: that this is anti-competitive. Um, we, we did talk about him saying Didn't we talk about that, about him saying like, oh, we'll ship Call of Duty to PlayStation as long as... Yeah. uh, As long as there's a PlayStation. So he he talked more about that um, and basically said like in writing, they are ready to make a longer term commitment to Sony about shipping Call of Duty. Uh, The idea that we would write a contract that says the word forever in it is a little bit silly. Right. uh, But to make a longer term commitment that Sony would be comfortable with, that regulators would be comfortable with, I have no issue with that at all. So like... Honestly, I think it's notable mainly here that he is just flat out saying like, yes, we will make some concessions to get the regulators off our back.
0: And he goes on. Uh, It's interesting throughout the course of this transcription from this interview. goes on to kind of even give all these weird other qualifying things. It's like, I'm not talking about it with Game Pass. You don't have to like log in. Like, I'm just saying, yes, what does he say? Pure native native. He he, he, he
1: uses the words native Call of Duty on PlayStation, not links to having to carry Game Pass. There is nothing behind my back. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like,
0: I mean, again, this part, I feel like is more Phil Spencer with lawyers in a bigger company and what can he say? But I don't think there's any reason currently they wouldn't want to get as many units of Call of Duty sold on a PlayStation if they are going to make money. Microsoft will make money off of that, right? No, yeah, it's, I,
1: a, it's a win-win. Like they, I think he's
0: being truthful. Yeah.
1: Yeah, like everything about this is a win-win for them because they either leverage it to get more Game Pass subscribers or they just sell bajillions of copies of Call of Duty on PlayStation.
0: And all, yeah. the, all the microtransactions and all of that um, will feed back into micro... I mean, Sony will take their cut of those on the Sony platform, but I mean, basically, if... If I'm reading what he's saying, he's pretty explicit about it. He's basically saying, as long as units are selling on a PlayStation, we would put it on a PlayStation. When that starts yes. to dwindle off, then we will rediscover. when it's no longer when nobody wants it on a PlayStation, then we will revisit that, uh, which yeah. seems to make sense to me again. But
2: that's know. the thing is that, like, it, you know, there's a quote in there from Jim Ryan basically saying that he doesn't think that, you know, what they were offering in terms of guarantees was enough in the end, this is I think this is really about Sony doing everything they can to try and mm. quash this deal because it's not good for them in the end for them to own Activision. And I don't necessarily blame Sony for going that route, but I think I think the call of duty angle is not going to be the thing that gets this deal quashed if it ever actually happens, because it just it, feel, it does not feel like there is actually any real smoke to that fire.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can kind of see why Sony is panicking. I mean, pretty much all sure. of their eggs are in the console basket. It's like totally they,
2: justifiable for them they, to
1: want to stop this. They, they they came very late to trying to diversify their offering, like they're trying to get into PC now, mm-hmm. but that's kind of it. Like, that's the other, actually, maybe more interesting thing in this whole thing, which, like, you might roll your eyes at it, but he makes a pretty good case that he, he flat out says, like, yeah, the Activision, the Act... The acquisition—he mm-hmm. didn't hit my word. Yeah. I guess uh, was more about getting King than it was any of the other Activision Blizzard properties. Interesting, like King being the mobile company. Yes, uh, and he made—he makes a pretty good case. Like I don't follow these numbers, but clearly he does. That PC and console business has been flat for a long time. Like I mean, hey, big surprise—the mobile gaming space is still growing rapidly. Yes, like the numbers are massively bigger there and still growing. Uh, and he flat out says, "Like, hey, if we can't, if Xbox cannot become relevant in the mobile space, it's not going to survive." Um, it's so.
0: it's it's a big one. I do think it is a massive consolidation, and everybody should be looking at it with some pretty um, critical eyes. You know, like it, yeah, it, it, skepticism it, is warranted. Yeah, yeah. And it sounds like that uh, UK Competition and Markets Authority is looking at uh, the Call of Duty stuff as like how would this impact you know this this does play a, a pretty big role in PlayStation's market share it's still one of their biggest sellers on the PlayStation and you know what happens if that's removed does it does it take out your number does it kneecap your number one rival in the space which would be anti-competitive right so if you, if you were to say to do that so I think it, it is all a good conversation to have yeah uh, nobody wants to see one person in the space dominate because that I in my you know non businessmen sense is not a great thing you want competition
2: in this space speaking as someone who has consumed pro wrestling for many many years when there is no competition it's a pretty bad scene
1: just to just to put some more numbers on that King stuff uh, Kings um, monthly active users in September were 240 million Uh versus 31 million for Blizzard and 97 million for Activision proper so okay like, like, like again. Mm-hmm. I mean, make whatever argument you want about how much you can like monetize and convert some of those mobile players. Yeah. Uh, versus what a, a like a World of Warcraft subscriber pays or whatever. But still, you know, when the num- when the disparity is that big, and he's saying the bigger number keeps getting bigger, and the smaller numbers kind of stay where they are. Yeah. Like it's not hard to believe that he's pretty serious about this mobile stuff.
0: I mean, but but that um, also is you know still a massive consolidation, regardless of yeah. The, no, no, yeah, that, yeah. that's just yeah. you know.
1: I just I, I I do pretty much take him at face value here. That right. That uh, they're bigger. fish. Know, a guy at his level has to think very long term. Yeah, and like on some level, I'm amazed that Call of Duty is still hanging on <laughs> to the degree that it is. Yeah. Um, especially after the last couple of years, but then it came roaring back this year. So who knows? But but yes, like Xbox is not like a cool young person's brand necessarily. No. (laughs) To me I don't know about you guys but like it's kind of not surprising that the Xbox name is not necessarily huge in the spaces where like younger Younger and also very much older people are playing games.
2: I just think I don't think any of the major console makers have that kind of cachet these days. Not, like, not I just, really. PlayStation maybe still has a little of that hanging on, but by and large, I think that all of the console makers have a degree of old attached to them.
0: Yeah, for sure. Nintendo probably is in the best best space for, um, at least judging from my personal experience with my kids, just because the games they put out are still focused in that range. Of, right. You know, Pokemon and, and stuff like that. Uh, Mario plays, you know Mario and Mario does indeed play. Yeah, Mario likes to play. Mario play. Uh, Brad, <laughs> this Witcher news.
1: Hey, it's coming out. The Witcher Three, <laughs> yeah. uh, current gen upgrade, is finally coming out on PS5 and Series X next month on the 14th.
0: There you go. Oh, yeah. There you go. I
1: kind of want to check that out
0: so if you own, uh, that's going to be released standalone, but it will be a free update. If you own the game on the PC, Xbox one or PS4, I assume you will get the upgrade on the platform. You own it on. I assume that has to be. Yes, Yes. definitely. definitely. Uh, but it will be standalone. If you never, never been a better
1: time to get into the Witcher three, I guess. Uh, yeah, they're adding a bunch of stuff to it. I, I, I knew this previously and forgot about it, but they're adding like a bunch of items that are inspired by the Netflix show,
0: which I have not watched.
1: Uh, um, I, I enjoyed the first season well enough, and then we never got back to it, and now that Henry Cavill is leaving, I'm like, eh.
0: Oh, maybe I did watch the whole first season. I It kind of blurred together, but maybe that's also where I stopped. How many the third seasons?
2: season is going to be the last one with Cavill, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: Um. Uh, uh, anyway, like- I I kind of, I, I don't know, I kind of want to, I mean, I fell off of Witcher 3 for a reason, but I kind of... Should I just pick up my save from 20? I've got a seven-year-old save in that game. Just, I would probably just start over. I was I was pretty, I was was pretty, somewhere fairly deep into NovaGrad when I stopped playing it.
0: Okay. Yeah, let's go jump in.
2: I, You know what? Probably start over because you might see some of this. Uh, maybe will get some stuff. Were I to st- d- boot this back up again, which I will not be doing in the immediate future, I would start over.
1: <laughs> uh, you know, I like the, the character density in that city. Maybe a good way to put the ray tracing in this to the test. Oh, yeah. Good well point. Good point.
2: There
0: you go. Uh, Brad, uh, tell me about this Nintendo repair stuff. This one was a weird one,
1: but I think this is, this is hilarious. Okay. Nintendo in Japan has instituted a new policy uh, whereby they can deny warranty or repair and replacement service to people who harass the customer service representatives doing the work.
0: So once you read down the, uh, the kind of bulleted list here of the, what they can refuse or b- uh, based on what th- so they can refuse
1: intimidation or threats uh-huh. insulting or denigrating remarks invasion of privacy uh, excessive demands um, <laughs> such as f- for
0: a free repair when the warranty has expired which it's uh, uh, very like, specific
1: like some some of these maybe are a little bit of a gray area of just like angry customer not necessarily <laughs> harassment although uh-huh. anything can be harassment if you won't fucking leave it alone uh uh-huh. true um Demanding an apology from Nintendo or its staff without reasonable cause. That one. Hmm. Yeah. Mm, this okay. another highly specific one. Uh, excessively repeating the same request or complaint. Like, honestly, this one defamatory comments on social networks or websites. Yes, like that's that one,
2: that's very, interesting.
1: Yeah. That is. Yes. Oh,
0: you forgot the last one there. Low review scores. Uh, ah, yeah, I'm hmm. kidding. That's yeah. What, what qualifies there. as defamatory here? <laughs> Did you call this game uh, a piece of trash? And now my it bricked my switch. And now I want it. I can't believe the frame rate on Breath of the Wild bricked my switch. repair it Like,
2: don't harass people that's that's that is the aspect of this yeah, I right. absolutely agree with is that yes i I think people who harangue customer service representatives who in generally speaking do not have the power to actually fix the thing you are haranguing them about. they are just here to take your complaint is shit behavior
0: it is okay so imagine this scenario and i don't think this is just devil devil's advocate because we've all seen stuff put in place that maybe goes too far i'm gonna say vinny has a bad customer experience with nintendo they won't repair like i don't know drifting Joy-Con. let's say Mm -hmm. i go on twitter and say um nintendo nintendo's refusing to repair this uh, this is bs nintendo's refusing to repair this thing i just bought this switch does that count as going out there and, um, and now they say, well, we're not going to repair your thing because of this uh, uh, thing you put on social media? I'm, I know that's not in the spirit of what they're saying, but I worry that it might be taken to those kinds of extremes.
2: Whether or not it's in the spirit it's completely believable that that said that they might use that as a well, this is dude, you're you've got you're too far gone. Absolutely not, because
0: I know people use social media to get the attention of social media accounts like at Nintendo or something when they feel like they're not being listened to on through the proper channels, and we've all had bad customer experience, uh, you know, incidents. That aren't necessarily just an angry customer that just feel like you're not being you're not being listened to.
1: So, yeah, I don't I don't feel like that falls under any of these categories that they laid out, though. Yeah, like Like it shouldn't. Right. Defamatory comments, intimidation or threats, invasion of privacy. Those those have specific enough meaning uh, meanings that like just kind of generic angry customer stuff would not fall under. So i I'm,
0: I'm hoping this doesn't get turned into some well you breached our terms of service by complaining online that we didn't repair your thing i I, I don't know maybe i maybe i uh, jumping to the worst here
1: oh yeah i don't, i don't, I cannot imagine I mean like you know they'd they would be raked over the coals if they went too far with this yeah, so
0: yeah we'll see maybe I should be again, don't harass people even if you had even yeah. but you know also you have consumer rights, and I feel like if they if you're not getting um you know satisfaction with a repair that also sucks you know yes if you you, i've had joy-con drift i sent my joy-cons in that time because i thought it was not reasonable that i just bought this thing and the controller started to drift um and they honored it and they repaired it but what kind of repairs nintendo's doing out there at the these days like have you guys sent any nintendo stuff in
2: no, I um, I, I did have, I think, one of the drifting Joy-Cons, but I ended up just replacing my Joy-Cons at okay. some point because there was also some rubber coming off of them. Yeah, I and just
1: replaced my sticks when that happened.
2: Yeah.
0: Ah, the world. Um, Finally here, Batman.
1: Yeah, I'll let Alex take this one because I think he's the closest to this one.
2: Yeah, so, uh, as of last week, uh, Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman from the animated series, the, uh, the Arkham games, a whole host of things where Batman is prominently featured and does not require a live-action actor, though he did actually portray a live-action Batman in one of the WB series. Uh, he was like an alternate dimension Batman that showed up for an episode. Um, Kevin Conroy passed away at the age of 66. Uh, he had apparently been battling cancer for some time. Uh, and just straight up, Kevin Conroy is my favorite Batman. Oh, yeah. Uh, always was.
1: Canonical Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Easily.
2: Like, just an incredible grasp of both Batman and Bruce Wayne as characters. A big part of what, I mean, there were many factors that made Batman the animated series so legendary, but I think he was a huge factor in that, and the voice cast in general. And, you know, it's just, it's like... I don't know, man. celebrity deaths like, don't necessarily gut me the way they, they, they used to when I was younger, but like this one hit, mm. because he was just such a vital part of a very specific part of my childhood, and that show was something, you know, I still hold in regard as probably one of the best animated shows ever made.
0: He also seems to be well regarded as genuinely a very kind person.: Oh, yeah, so that, that helps. Like you know, did a great job and also a proper human. totally uh it's good i agree with you like his voice is always jarring when it's not that bad when it's not kevin conroy yeah especially in portrayals like video games like even in the most modern gotham knights one it's not him and it's, it's just something off about it yeah some big shoes to fill indeed uh if you um We did, uh, uh, what was the game he was in? We did it on the Friday stream, right? It was the the Adventures Adventures of Batman Batman and Robin for the Sega CD. Yes, yes. A a whole bunch of uh, the animated uh, series stuff in that game. If you wanted to check out Kevin Conroy pre-Arkham stuff on video games. But it's really really just mostly the animated stuff that they're just lifting, which is just such a great show.
2: I said it on the stream, and I'll say it again. If you have not uh, checked out the uh, Blu-ray set of the Batman animated series, it is one of the better collections of shows from that era out there. I might go pick of-
0: it up, and and I, I bet my kids would like it. Like it's it, it's it, a it's a show that always felt like I don't want to get too much into the animated series, but it's a show that always felt like you were wasn't talking down to kids. You know, like was totally was like respected that you can handle this. Um, yeah. And, and like, had a maturity about it, but was still super engaging.
2: Yeah, it was still exciting. Like, it still had plenty of, you know, action adventure in it, but like, also, it had a way of treating, especially its villain characters, as something more than just a foil for Batman. Yeah. You know, like, they're, especially the more tragic heroes like Mr. Freeze and Clayface. Like, I feel like there's some real nuance to those characters that you don't necessarily see in a lot of other Batman media outside the comics.
0: Uh, Kevin Conroy, rest in peace. Indeed. That is going to do it for the news here, and that's going to lead to the wrapping up of this here show. Before we exit, though, I want to remind folks that we have the WatchCast ongoing, and you can keep up. We are deep into Star Trek. I think last time, Alex, you said we went to record. We're about halfway through Star Trek Season 1, yeah? More than halfway now. More than halfway if you're keeping up with the show on the Patreon, next week we will have uh, Squire of Gothos and yes. the or Arena. Not the Arena. Arena. Two fun episodes uh, that you want to enjoy. You can catch the WatchCast, the show where we talk about the show, not watch it with you together. We talk about the show You can catch that wherever you get this, whether that's on the Patreon or some of them podcast apps you might have. I don't know what you're using over there, and there's a whole lot of them. Hopefully the markers work. Uh, You can catch those over on the Patreon as well. That is patreon.com slash nextlander. Uh, You can join the thousands over there who love Nextlander, and you can find a tier that's right for you. Starting at $5 uh, over there, supports everything we do, whether that's this podcast, the Watchcast, the Ramblecast, Never Been a Better Podcast, the streams, all of that stuff is supported uh, by patrons and by people who watch and enjoy our content and get the word out there. There is a tier, though, on that Patreon that gets their names read on this here show. And Alex Navarro,
2: yes. do you have those mysterious
0: benefactors ready to be read?
2: I sure do. Our mysterious benefactors for this week are... John Richardson, Vornak, Vinny's Giant Booga boogas, Kelly F., James Smith, Brian Lussier, Skywarp, John Hubbard... Sean Miller, Brad's mid hoodoo voodoo, Evan Cook, Mark Wilhelm, JM, Jerry Lee, Gary Pejski, Robert Fisher, John McInnes, Bunny Thorpe Snowfall Crimes, Thomas Lynn, Jad Rita, Statics, Andrew Jackson, Razgriz Tell Me More About Alex's Soft D, Brian Murphy, Trevor and Adrian R. Kevin Velado Randy Duax, Andrew Tipkin, Alex Wu, It Me JP, Matt Clements Jr., Edward Cheek, Andrew Slosky, Michael Jonathan Black, Steve Lynn, Matthew Herrig, David Campos, and Tyler Trees.
0: Thank you to all our mysterious benefactors for this week, and thank you to all of our patrons and everybody who has been supporting us. I can almost say it now. Over the years? We're very close <laughs> the to the years, year- plural. Uh, thanks, everybody. Again, keeping, I don't know, Keep. I was going to say, keeping independent game coverage alive. Is that true? I guess we are independent, really. To some degree. Yes, keeping the spirit of 76 going. Uh, thanks, everybody. You, We you couldn't do it without you. We mean that. Honestly, couldn't do things like our Scrap Mechanic stream, which we uh, conquer. The Trials of Scrap Mechanic. That's from this Monday. We've got a grab bag coming up on Thursday. I will not be there, but Alex and Brad, you two will be grabbing some bags uh, on Thursday's stream. Friday! Friday, I'm excited for. Friday, we're looking to get into some dark pictures nonsense. Uh, The new one coming out. Abby is looking to join us. That should be a really fun stream. You can come join us on... On Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern. 1 p.m. Yes. Eastern for that new dark pictures. They're always fun. Always good to see Abby. Can't wait. A great combination, if I dare say so myself. Of course, the Watchcast. Ooh, I got a little Irish lilt there. Of course, mm-hmm. the Watchcast. The Ramble Of cast. course, <laughs> the I want to watchcast. Oh, uh, what is that? What Finnegan! Is... Finnegan! Apparently, there's a Finnegan reference in Mystery Science Theater people were talking about. Yes, it, that, uh... there was a
2: bit that I forgot about. There's one of their interstitial bits where Finnegan just shows up and starts beating up Mike. That's pretty good. Uh, you um, find out all about that on the
0: Watchcast. Do uh, treat yourself there. Thank you, Brad Shoemaker. Thank you. Thank you, Alex Navarro. Thank you. We'll be back next week.